Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Welcome to Discographology, the show where we are back in our minds again. This week we are wrapping up our look at the first incarnation of Funkadelic with their third album, Maggot Brain. Parliament Funkadelic was entering a new decade in early 1971 with a few new members. Gary Scheider, a patron of Clinton's barbershop in Plainfield, had formed a funk rock group called United Soul in the late 60s and played some shows with Funkadelic. Additionally, Clinton produced some of United Soul's tracks. Somewhere in there, Scheider signed on as a sixth singer for Parliament. I was up with George when I was a little kid, but I got in the group and started writing. I guess I was still a youngster. You know, it's in a group called uh, United Soul, he produced it, it's called U.S. You know, that was the uh, offspring of funk. The majority of the people that was in funk that was out of the United Soul. They were all from playing What's the strangest thing you've ever seen from Strangest thing I've ever seen? Aliens. No, 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 I got aliens, man. Aliens? Yeah. Well, some people say you guys came from outer space. That's what I say. Additionally, the trio of three women, known as Hot Buttered Soul, would join the group in recordings. Pat Lewis of Hot Buttered Soul had sung on Stevie Wonder's Uptight and wrote some songs for Isaac Hayes. This brought the total number of performers in the P-Funk mob at this time to 14. 15 if you count their new four-legged member. You see, at some point, Clinton was gifted a pet pig by a producer. They named the pig Officer Dibbles, and he became the official Funkadelic mascot. Officer Dibbles wore a diamond necklace, and according to Clinton, was the best-treated pig ever. Additionally, the new decade saw them getting noticed. They were featured in Cream Magazine in October 1970, and were praised for their insane stage show, which the interviewer compared to a religious experience. However, in that interview, Clinton says that they mostly were known in Detroit and Boston. He says they had a hard time getting played as they were not strictly rock and roll and thus couldn't get on rock radio, but they also were not strictly R&B and couldn't get played by black stations either. Their audiences at live shows were diverse as they would play shows with R&B bands, newer rock acts, pop acts, anybody. They would cater their sets to whatever the audience was, playing different sets for black audiences than mostly white audiences. They did their first international dates when they toured the UK in the spring of 1971. At the last minute, their show at the Royal Albert Hall was switched to the Lyceum because Frank Zappa had recently played the Royal Albert Hall and angered the venue's owners when his fans tore the place up. They decided they didn't want another rock act playing the hall. In protest, Funkadelic rented a donkey, rode it to the steps of the Royal Albert Hall, and were followed by photographers from Melody Maker and NME. I'll let Clinton explain what happened next. Quote, On the way up there, the donkey took a regal shit on the steps. Everyone laughed. And when that happened, Officer Dibbles ran into the middle of the crowd and tried to get attention. He's like a little baby. In the middle of the commotion, he got excited or ate something someone threw at him. And then he ended up taking a shit too, a watery bit of skeet. 
Shutters were going off all around us, and the music papers ended up with pictures of Dibbles and the donkey, both shitting right next to the statue. End quote. According to author Chris Needs, people in the UK showed up to hear the group that did I Want to Testify, and instead encountered a jockstrap wearing George Clinton and company playing rock music. This was years before the punk movement took off in England, and people were shocked by this outfit's stage show. When they returned to the UK the next time, it was 1978, and punk would be in full swing there, and Funkadelic would have a very different sound. The Jimi Hendrix experience is over. The acid rock musician died today in a London hospital, apparently from an overdose of drugs. During his short career, Hendrix flailed his <clears throat> electric guitar into some of the most unusual sounds of an unusual music. When Funkadelic landed back in the States, they began to record their third album, but the culture had shifted. The 60s were dead, Jimi Hendrix was dead, and Clinton writes, there was lots of weather outside, the souring of hippie culture, inner city rot, both legitimate and illegitimate mind expansion, and lots of weather inside, and it all came together towards the end of 1970 when we went to United Sound in Detroit to record the third Funkadelic record. Casting a gloom over the recording sessions further was the fact that several of the band members were starting to experiment more with harder drugs. Clinton says, I learned to make a record out of any two minutes of noise I got. I had four baby junkies. They settled to go to sleep right there on the session. So I had to make a record out of whatever I got. Once I learned to do that, fuck it. Give me two minutes of anything and I'll make a record out of it. Maggie Brain, a brother crying his soul out. Maggie Brain is a state of mind. All right. Uh, um, to get you out of the heroin okay? The way I understand it, George put Eddie in the middle of a whole bunch of amps, just surrounded him with amps and just said, play. Billy and, and Tal and them came up with the rhythm that... Plus, those chords are minors and majors. Majors against minors, they said you couldn't do that. But they proved it all wrong, you know. So as you sat there and got hypnotized into this, Eddie just had to just sing to herself on guitar. After the album was recorded, it came time for the cover and to name the album. Joel Brodsky, who had photographed the last Funkadelic album cover, along with several others including The Doors, Stooges, and MC5 albums, was tasked with photographing this cover. The original idea was a picture of a vampire with pearl fangs and a glass of blood, and when one looked closer, they would see that the blood was from squeezed out tampons. This was rejected, and instead the cover came to be a woman's head screaming as it came out of the earth. As far as the name of the album, there are differing theories on the meaning of Maggot Brain. One story is that the name of the album comes from the fact that Clinton was the one to find his brother dead in a Chicago apartment with his head cracked open and maggots crawling around. Clinton denies this. Clinton claims the title is more metaphorical and cosmic, the maggots in the mind of the universe. And then, of course, another story is that the name was a nickname for Eddie Hazel. The liner notes for the record reprinted text from the Process Church of the Final Judgment, a British cult that was linked to Charles Manson. Clinton apparently was intrigued by the cult. 
According to author Ricky Vincent, the combination of liner notes from a cult associated with a mass murderer, a screaming woman's head, and the title gave Funkadelic the image of a death-worshipping black rock band. Once released to the public in July of 1971, the album fared worse than the previous Funkadelic albums. It never cracked the top 100 pop charts, but it did go to number 14 on the R&B charts. Critics were also not kind. Rolling Stone said it was a shattered, desolate landscape with few pleasures. Competently performed, but limited. The record's second side they called Dead End Stuff and asked, who needs this shit? The album would also serve as the swan song of the first incarnation of Funkadelic. Multiple issues combined to lead to the end of the band, one being drug use. Some members, including Eddie Hazel, had begun to use heroin in addition to acid and cocaine. Tiki Fullwood was also using harder drugs. Billy Nelson said that the guitarist, Tall Ross, took six tabs of acid in Ontario instead of the usual three. He then went on to snort methadrine, speed. This led to him essentially overdosing and getting brain damage as a result. He quit the band, and Tall Ross would remain reclusive until 1995. Bassist Billy Nelson was also getting upset about the rate the band was being paid. He claims that Funkadelic was still paid like a backup band to the parliaments, when in reality they were now the main attraction. Clinton says he didn't want to pay him as much because they spent their money on drugs. As a result of this dispute, Billy and Eddie quit the band, although both would later rejoin occasionally in the 70s. Maggot Brain serves as the final testament from this version of Funkadelic, and while not acclaimed at the time of its release, it has grown to become recognized as the pinnacle of the achievements of Funkadelic 1.0. In 1971, with only the Parliament Singers and Bernie Worrell left of the original lineup, they relocated to Toronto and worked on rebuilding. The bassist that ultimately replaced Nelson in the P-Funk orbit was James Brown's old bassist, one Bootsy Collins. He joined along with his brother Catfish Collins. The Collins brothers were a tighter group than Funkadelic had been. The old acid-fueled jam rock group disappeared and was replaced by a brighter and funkier group. Collins would take Funkadelic in a new direction away from the harder rock of the first three albums and into a funkier future. While this Bootsy-infused version of P-Funk would be more commercially successful and more widely known, Maggot Brain remains one of the more popular Funkadelic albums in their catalog of 23 total albums. Stereo Gum named it the second best album by the Parliament Funkadelic Collective overall, and Happy Mag named the album among the five best P-Funk releases. In 2020, Rolling Stone ranked Maggot Brain number 136 on their magazine's list of 500 greatest albums of all time, calling it the heaviest rock album P-Funk ever created. Pitchfork Media gave the album the rare perfect 10 out of 10. The record was also listed in the music reference book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Mother Earth is pregnant for the third time, for y'all have knocked her up. I have tasted the maggots in the mind of the universe. I was not offended, for I knew I had to rise above it all or drown in my own shit.
So, uh, uh, what's what's the pig's name again, Mister Officer Dibbles? Dibbles? <laughs> Officer, Officer Dibbles, which Dibbles. They, I couldn't find much more information about, but I gotta I gotta imagine that pig's life was not very nice. <laughs> like no. I, these these fucked up like on drugs guys. Like I just can't yeah. imagine being great. What pet happened to the pig? What happened to that pig? Yeah. But George Clinton said he was a, a well-treated pig, so I don't know. Well, for how long? <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. So before we get into the first track, let's uh, go around and kind of talk about our relationship with this album. I'll lead us off and, and say that this was one that I was the most familiar with prior to going into this series. I had this album on vinyl, or have this album on vinyl, uh, as the first Funkadelic album I ever bought. I, I hadn't given it nearly as thorough of a listen as I did for this. Um, I But I was still pretty familiar with a few of the tracks on it. And for this, I mainly listened to that as well as Spotify. Uh, yeah, this was an album that I, I'd heard of, and, and I had I feel like I had heard um, the song, Can You Get to That? It, it had a very familiar feel, and I'll, I'll talk more about that. But, um, uh, you know, certainly hadn't heard all the way through, and... Um, you know, as I often do, you know, just ha- had this on uh, doing uh, doing errands and and uh, and dishes and so forth. But also uh, uh, spent some time on on the exercise bike with this, and and there's some some good, you know, kind of upbeat Ooh. exercise music here. I think I had heard of this one, not heard it when I got into Maggot Brain the the track. I think I had probably heard bits and pieces of it before because it was uh recognizable to me you know famous guitar solo and all um one of the songs i had heard sampled in a group that i already liked we'll we'll get to that uh we (laughs) we'll get to that can you get to that yeah oh we'll get to Um, it um no we'll get we'll get to it i want to know um i want to what love (laughs) is later uh I want to recommend listen in a pair of good headphones, folks. Bayer Dynamic 770s. I'm not being paid to say this, but it's what I use now, and they're great, and they're comfy. Yeah, um, familiarity. As I've said before, I was I was led to this album by Dean Ween uh, and the track off of the 94 album Chocolate and Cheese, A Tear for Eddie. I picked up a vinyl reissue of Maggot Brain a few years back, and this is the only Funkadelic album that I own, and I had a knowledge of prior to this podcast. I also listened to the tracks provided by Josh and listened with headphones. So I've I've known this album for a couple years, and, and that's about it. Nice. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into the first track, which is the titular track, Maggot Brain. This song possibly has more myth around its making than any other single song in the Funkadelic catalog. 
The story goes that the band just jammed in the studio, and when it came time for a solo, Clinton told lead guitarist Eddie Hazel to play like your mother just died. Hazel then went on to solo for nine minutes straight. After hearing it, Clinton took everyone else off the track except the, the two guitars and echoplexed it back on itself four to five times. Or that's one story at least. Uh, another goes that Clinton surrounded Hazel with amplifiers while he played. Another goes that Eddie was recording this right after the news of the death of Jimi Hendrix had reached him and he was simply paying tribute to one of his guitar heroes. And finally, another one goes that the sound heard at the beginning is actually maggots. Regardless <sighs> of the story you go with, the centerpiece remains the same here. Eddie Hazel's fuzzbox and wah-wah pedal riffing over a simple four-chord pattern. There are no lyrics beyond the spoken word introduction heard at the beginning and a voice almost kind of whispering like we heard in the clip there, go on maggot brain. Uh, I find this song just as suitable uh, an introduction to this album as Free Your Mind was to that one or What's a Funkadelic was to the first album. They all three kind of serve the same purpose of introducing this album's mood. And, and this one's mood is somber yet beautiful and kind of atmospheric. And so this piece definitely rightfully puts uh, that as you know what the thesis will be and also puts the band kind of at center stage, which I think is another theme here. Uh, things were kind of disintegrating around them, you know, at this point, and the song very much captures that feeling. So I think it's a stellar opening track. Yeah, hearing some of the some of the the context of you know kind of what was happening with the band, you know, uh, that that informs my reaction even a little bit more to some of those some of those sounds. You know, it's definitely um, Eddie just kind of cry, you know, really wailing um, both in that he's wailing on the guitar and also, you know, the guitar itself is, is wailing and he's, you know, kind of channeling that emotion through the instrument. The no drums is an interesting choice. I'd be you know, curious to know kind of what other, you know, things might've sounded with it. Um, the, the sound at the beginning, I thought it was, it was a take on, on a, uh, you know, the, a needle drop sound that, that, that mm. kind of had some effects in, in, into it. Um, pregnant for the third time. I'm, I'm, you know, not really sure what what that would be. You know, what the first two were. Um, third album. Great, great guitar work. That's third album. Yeah. As, third uh, album. Okay. Yeah. That, that's, so this is their third, uh, their third baby that they're, they're about to birth up to the Mother world. Earth again. Third time they knocked her up. <laughs> Y'all um, have. <laughs> Um, I, I really enjoyed the the feel change um, around 5:30, where it kind of gets gets mellower and and uh, and sparser, um, and, and then they come and then they come back in at around 7:10, um, and and right at eight o'clock, he he really dials up the fuzz and and really you know just um, gets that that extra compressed uh, crunchy sound and and um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, I did find it interesting that you know there's a very unceremonious fade out after they bring that uh, yeah that, that first theme back. It just kind of you know it just kind of stops, which, which I thought was was an interesting choice. Mm. Th this was one, by the way, Matt. I was really excited for you to hear. I I, I know you're a big Jimi Hendrix fan, and so I was like, oh, I wonder what Matt's gonna think about Maggot Brain for sure. So I'm glad to it hear rules. that you liked it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really like it. Um, <laughs> despite it just being 10 minutes of, of guitar wankery, which is not necessarily my thing, but um, it may be my favorite of the three opening 10-minute tracks. Uh, I thought the uh, 
the crackle you hear at the beginning sounded like um, obviously put through a ton of delay uh, tape echo, whatever it was. Like the sound of a, a maybe plugging in or mm. f- flipping the switch on a guitar, maybe some kind of guitar noise that just went through all the delay. Uh, I, it's interesting that it starts that way before you hear Clinton's voice, uh, y'all of Noctura. But yeah, I took it to mean it's the third, the, the third album. No, that, um, that makes total sense. <laughs> giving a lot of people describe their albums as giving birth. Remember that? Uh, remember the tribe called quest album oh, started yeah. with like birth noise yeah interesting um it's interesting that the uh, the rhythm guitar part it starts off so quiet that it's like almost in the noise floor you have to turn it way up to hear it and when you turn it up and enough you hear that there's guitar and drum accompany accompaniment it's just the drum uh and sometimes the guitar they go up and down but they're so quiet that you really have to have crank it way up there Interesting things are happening with the the drum too, uh, including well a lot of a lot of rim hits on the snare and wild delay on that as well. Um, but sorrowful was not the mood I expected Funkadelic to start on, knowing what I know about them. Not funky, it's sorrowful and mournful. Psychedelic, yes, I would say it is, just because it's so out there. The, the effects are so wild. The effects are the star of the show, I think, here. Uh, obviously, the guitar playing is a star, but the effects are a close second. I, I love all the spring reverb, tape delay, um, whatever it all is. It's just not what I was expecting, but I I ended up really liking it. Um, let's see if I... Anything else that I that I missed? There's, just, there's too much to talk about, even though it's... You know, it's a 10 minute guitar solo. It was a really bold choice to open this album with a sorrowful 10 minute guitar solo, uh, an album that's ostensibly a rock or, 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 you know, funk album. I don't know. I, I couldn't improve upon the placement of first on the album. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it last. So I guess it's the only place you could put it, but it's a different feel for it. This whole album's going to have a different feel and this, this clues you into that. I, so I really liked it, yeah. Yeah, this is a special track. It's just in a different universe. Hands down, one of my favorite guitar tracks of all time. Uh, the picked part is so delicate and haunting. Very melancholy. We're hearing fantastic tones, adventurous playing, heavy delay effects. It's a headspace, a mood, a, um, a mindset, a journey. Definitely my favorite of what we've heard so far. And Eddie Hazel's playing is just a treat. Uh, it, it does have a lot of soul to it. And I, li- I kind of like the idea of like, you know, play like your mom just died and him just like busting this out. I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's a heavy, you know, I mean, an emotionally heavy kind of uh, visual there. Um that said, it does have some length. There are some shrill parts, so your ears should prepare to be annihilated. And I mean that in the best best of ways. It does meander, and it slips some uh, into some strange territory that I'm not really sure whether it works or not, but of course it does work. But for a critical take, it definitely achieves new and crazy territory that could be noise to some, but beauty and adventure to others. 
I can see it being a divisive track, maybe more so to newcomers versus the people who were there at the time and experiencing it when it came out. Um, I think Blake's on to something uh, about it. it is a bold choice for a first track. And I could see it being a good, well, I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything later. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Well, that gets us uh, moving on to the second track, which is called Can You Get to That? Following the <laughs> Stingray, uh, following the heels of the eerie and somber Maggot Brain, oh. we get one of the breeziest songs in the early Funkadelic catalog. Uh, this number was written by George Clinton with the enigmatic Ernie Harris. See the last episode for a discussion about him. And based on an old Parliament song actually called What You Been Growing Heard Here. The, Not what I expected. <laughs> the vocals are handled on this one by the Parliaments, including bass singer Stingray Davis taking kind of a prominent part, as well as new Funkadelic member Gary Scheider handling the lead part. Uh, feel it's worth mentioning a side note here. Scheider was the youngest member of the band now, and thus took over the title of Diaper Man from Tall Ross. He was the one that <laughs> had to start wearing a diaper, diaper man. on stage. Oh man! <laughs> oh my god! Uh, joining them is a group of backup singers from Isaac Hayes' <laughs> album Hot Buttered Soul, who were now simply going by Hot Buttered Soul. Tall Ross uh, plays the prominent acoustic guitar on this track. Uh, I love this track. It was the first Funkadelic song I knew. It remains just as good on this listen through. It's like a, a folk funk song. Uh, it feels so light and airy while also kind of being dense and full sometimes. And, uh, I, I think it's everybody kind of firing on all cylinders. Billy Nelson's bass line really adds to it. Uh, Tiki's drumming is great. Just really, uh, knocked it out of the park for me. Um, yeah, gave me severe whiplash straight off of Maggot Brain. Um, real genre switch. Also, I'm curious for the vinyl owners, where does side one end? Ooh, I'm trying to remember now. I think hit it and quit it. I okay. believe you're yeah. correct. I'm or maybe you and now. your folks. Side B starts with super stupid. Okay, so you and your folks is oh. the last. Okay. Okay, interesting. Yeah, either way, any way you cut it, yeah, you're going to get whiplash. But um, 
they, again, this is this is not this is a different genre. Again, not not funky, um, but I still love it. Uh, it's more. This one's definitely more Parliament than it is Funkadelic. So it makes sense that it used to be a Parliament's song. I kind of expected that song to sound more similar, but it, it, it's pretty different from this. What you just played. The there. hook is different for sure. Yeah, yeah. I I think they really improved upon the hook, changing it to "Can you get to that?" And then, of course, I think the original one m- might have been missing the "I wanna know." Yeah, it was. And then I I love that Stingray gets his own verse. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's something I hadn't heard, but it's, it sounds awesome. Uh, led by acoustic guitar and piano, which is pretty cool and not something I've heard that much of before in Funkadelic. Uh, I Right out of the gate, I knew I had heard this before, and it's because I used to listen to a lot of the of the first Sleigh Bells album, which uh, has a song called Rill Rill that samples this track heavily. But this song's just really infectious, uh, and I do love it. The first note that I have is... You can bet your funky ass that I can get to that. This song rules. <laughs> I love the bass vocals. The bass, the vocals, it's it's just a bouncy and it's it's a catchy number. Again, best one of these that I've heard from them so far. I've been singing this song for weeks in anticipation of of this episode. But yeah, I can I can definitely get to this and I definitely want to get back to this and will come back to it. So I think it's a great track. Um, I don't mind so much the whiplash. I think, I, like, like I said, I don't want to spoil other tracks on the album. I think maybe after afterwards we could have a brief conversation about how we could recut the album, uh, <laughs> or, or if it's possible. Uh, so that's interesting in itself. But yeah, uh, I, I I can get to that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with everybody that this is a, a very strong track. Um, Whiplasher or no, um, you know, everything sounds very good here. I love the piano tone, yeah. the, the the really out front acoustic guitar. Um, it reminded me very much of like um, everyday people or, and, you know, there's horns there, but, you know, or, or like a like a Staples singer song. Uh, it's It's an interesting gear that you wouldn't, Someone with 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 passing familiarity of, oh, Funkadelic. That that's that weird band with with that weird guy with the dreadlocks, you know. And, and they've got this this pop <laughs> gear as well because it's so mm. catchy. Um, the 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 baseline's great. I want to highlight a couple of the lyrics. Um, when you base your love on credit and your loving days are done, checks you signed with a love and kisses later come back signed insufficient funds. Um, that's just a, a great little couplet. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that this is, is this is a, a very, uh, a very strong uh, track. Uh, I, I, I think it, it really, really shines. Yeah, and you're right. By the way, the, the female vocalist, the hot buttered soul, really add to it as well. I think it kind of gives it this group yeah. group feel. You know, kind of a collective. Yeah. Well, let's go on to uh, track three. Hit it and quit it.
This little funky tune was written by Nelson and Clinton and once again features Gary Scheider on lead vocals. One source I read claimed that this had already been released by another Westbound artist, Bobby Freeman, but I found no corroborating evidence for that. Like, no, nobody else said that. I couldn't even find that song online, so I don't know. Regardless, it was released as a single by Funkadelic, although it failed to chart. Tearing up the Hammond organ here is Bernie Worrell, who of course studied at Juilliard, but once told Red Bull Music Academy, they used to put classical music on a pedestal, and I don't like that, so I took it down my way, because nothing is above anything. Uh, Another side note, by the way, Worrell, man, I have such a hard time with his name. (laughs) You guys don't know how many takes I had to do recording the history saying his name. Uh, Worrell would later play with Talking Heads in Stop Making Sense and apparently said about them, stiff, no rhythm, man. That's why they hired five (laughs) black extras, (laughs) which I found pretty funny. Uh, I mean, spot the line. He's in the movie, well, though, if you've seen Stop Making Sense. He's, he's playing keys back there. I don't know. He's T- awesome. I know who you're talking about. That's awesome. Tina's got some rhythm. I think. Tina's oh, yeah. I don't know if I agree. I just think play it's funny that he said they were stiff, all stiff. But she's got the groove. <laughs> I mean, he did go from Funkadelic to Talking Heads. I can see why he's like, it's a little right. bit of a different yeah. direction. Yeah. Talk about different. Ripple. <laughs> uh, but back to Hit It and Quit It. I, I find this one pretty rocking. The riff, ultra catchy. It does, though, get a bit repetitive, kind of drills into your head after a while, and you're like, okay, they keep saying hit it and quit it. Hit it. When are they going to quit it? Like, it just keeps going and going. But, <laughs> I, you know, kind of going, echoing my Heim complaint from last year, uh, it does drill a little <laughs> bit after a while into my head. But uh, that means it gets stuck in my head. I, I, I kept going around singing this one, Logan. Uh, but yeah, hit it and quit it. Uh, I think you could hit it and quit it and go on to the next one for sure. Well, uh, the first note I have is, oh shit, this bass line, I won't be able to quit. Uh, <laughs> it's it's great. The organ solo with the, the background vocals, a highlight. We've got top tier groove and some guitar wah. Love the panned guitar solo. There's so much panning on this album that's so wild and, and fun. However, strangely, it, it sits sometimes. Surprisingly... They didn't do more with this song or add some length to it. I think they could have, like Josh said, it, it does do kind of get repetitive and it could definitely go off into some different territories maybe and and explore a little bit more. So uh, maybe Maggot Brain took up too much space and uh, <laughs> they uh, couldn't go beyond a certain time limit or something. But it, it seemed to kind of be abrupt. It was re- repetitive and abrupt, but I also think it's probably the funkiest one of the funkiest tracks on the album. Yeah, th- this this one definitely is kind of the most uh, what you would expect funkadelic uh, type of song. Uh, the riff is great. I love how it's kind of it's kind of lopsided or asymmetrical, and and they throw in that da 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 da. They do it two times and then three times, and and they're kind yeah, of keeping really you cool. off balance a little bit. Um, I was really, uh, yeah, the organ solo is, is really awesome here. And, um, I, I think this is one where, uh, you know, he does it on maggot brain as, as well, but, um, I'm a big sucker for wah sweep where you're playing the same riff and, you know, you're kind of, you know, just, just working on that riff and you sweep through the wah or, you know, I've seen people change, you know, go from like a bridge pickup to a net neck pickup and, and add that other tone color 
and, and yeah. it really kind of makes makes a repetitive riff you know that much more interesting um the the background vocals are are really um really working here um both matching you know kind of copying the uh the, the riff itself but i i really like it towards the end the i want you to hit it and quit it uh they kind of are are, are doing a, a a counter rhythm but um yeah it, it, it is a little bit repetitive uh there's not much of a chorus but uh but boy it's a great verse <laughs> yeah i i mean i pretty much knew i was gonna like it from the the start when you hear the the really catchy lick that is uh you know the bass guitar and organ are all three doing the thing and then uh, i guess it's hot buttered soul comes in to also mirror that melody um and it's mostly that, although I the the when it changes, I do like that part. I think it's the shake it to the east, shake it to the west. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know who originated that, but uh, I do like that when it goes into that. Um, lyrically, there's not a lot there, so there's not much to speak on. I, it's a general general horniness, maybe is what it's about. I'm not sure, but I like it that it's a little more funky. This one, it's a little more Hendrixy, maybe. Um, is is good God just like a thing that was kind of going around in music <laughs> that you just kind of said? I was thinking James like Brown kind of, you know, it's kind of a James yeah, Brownism. Definitely. I think there's a, there's a whole study the that could be done about little phrases like that because I and I forgot to mention it yeah. on the first one, but "Fly On" was all over that first record, and that's a, that's a Hendrix thing. And and also I don't know if huh. um, "Word yeah. Is Bond" is is a lyric or, or a you know kind of a. That's a Wu Tang Clan's uh, always talking uh, about Word is Bond, thing. yeah, or or, or 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 Biggie, yeah. I, I just stuff that that yeah. little vocal ticks that find their way into things like that are, are fascinating. Little, little catchphrases, but I think "Hit It and Quit It" bangs pretty well. Uh, not a lot to say on it. It's just it's just a song that kind of rocks, uh, and it, it's it's simple, but it's good. Mm. It sounds it sounds like it could be a great accompaniment like music for somebody like whenever you walk into a room you want this song to be playing when you like you your walk, walk in. on music for baseball yeah, your walk on know? music or for wrestling or <laughs> wherever you just walk into a room of people this is what you want playing maybe i don't know i would love to see like a f- i'm not a big wrestling guy uh but i would love to see like a funkadelic inspired wrestler you know <laughs> like his old character pers- i think there are some who have been inspired by george clinton if you've seen some of the hair and outfits nice cool all right well we'll move on to track four you and your folks me and my folks According to the New York Times, versions of this hook have been passed down for generations in the African-American community, and apparently it appears in a 1922 anthology that has a wordplay in the title of this anthology that I think uh, George Clinton had to be proud of. It was a book called Negro Folk Rhymes, Wise and Otherwise. 
I think that's <laughs> kind of clever. Uh, okay. Apparently, Clinton learned it from his mother, and the lead vocals here are taken by bassist Billy Nelson. Despite it being an old folk song, the writing credits a slew of P-Funk members, including Clinton, Nelson, Worrell, and Haskins, as well as Worrell's wife, Judy Jones. She claims this is an incorrect attribution, but it's never been corrected. It's still on the pressing. It says Jones on there. The theme of the song fits in well with some stuff on the previous Funkadelic album regarding class division, with lines like, the rich got a big piece of this and that, the poor got a big piece of roaches and rats. Uh, I dig this one a lot. The processed drums give it this kind of weird edge, I think, while the hook is very P-Funk with its group vocal based around the sort of older African-American kind of chant uh, it, it is somewhat of an outlier on this record because it's the only one that really addresses poverty, which was such a big theme on the last album. I mean, I guess there's some hints at it here and there on this album, but I feel like the last album talked a lot about that. And this one is the only one really that kind of uh, directly addresses that. Overall, though, uh, you know, it's just another solid number. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think this is a solid track. Um, uh, it's another one that that is primarily just that that one um you know kind of riff riff and rhythm uh i i didn't know the you know that, that it was a, a a traditional um that, that they'd kind of uh, uh interpolated yeah it's yeah it's just that little uh, hook phrase the you and your folks me and my folks part i think that's the older folk thing uh, okay well and, and i was wondering if the 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 yeah yeah yeahs you know was, oh yeah was that kind might, of a, a traditional yeah. uh melody um yeah I, I think this is neat i think this is kind of a uh a spiritual sequel to um everybody's got a thing um i i noted uh the, those uh those lyrics about roaches and rats as well um yeah i i would be fascinated to know what it is that that they've got on the, the drums and sounds like they might have a little bit on a piano. You know, I don't know if it's, if it's a, a, a weirdly placed room mic perhaps. Um, but you know, it shows up here and then, and then it kind of stays with us throughout the rest of the record that, that, that interesting, you know, kind of hollow, um, drum sound. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a, this is a really, uh, you know, another, another strong track, um, you know, again, not, not as much of a, of a chorus, you know, but, but, but it's, uh, that yeah, yeah, yeah line will, will get with you and, and stay in your head. Yeah. I really like it. The drums slap literally their slap back delay on the drums, possibly on the, the bass as well. It just gives the rhythm section gives this whole thing a vibe. And what I think you're getting at Matt is the drums are being fed either through the echoplex effect or some manner of uh, reverb tank or spring, something like that, where they're just slapping back real quick. And it's it somehow works on this song. It just it makes the whole song for me that the beat is fed through um, that delay. Uh, it's really it's really intense, but just a cool effect. Um, I like that it's self-referential to two past songs. It's, it's referencing um, we we all got a thing, and he says uh, the poor got a big piece of roaches and rats. Can you get to that? So we're already. Mm. You know, can you? Get I do to love that it on an album when record. you call back an, another. I actually really, really like that. It kind of unifies an album. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a good to have a unifying theory to to a record. It ties it together, and uh, 
I, I, I like the, uh, the vibe and the message, you know, just, just the, the love one another type feel to it. Uh, the chorus is, there may not be much of a chorus, but I, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much all you need for this one to get you through. So it works for me again, a, a pretty simple one again, but I, I like it. I think I, li- I like it more than hit it and quit it. That's for sure. Um, really dig that one. Yeah. It's a soulful track that we get here. The musicianship and vocals are on point. I love the weird effect, the slap back. I love that you get the call back, like you said, to can you get to that? I was expecting to not like this one, but it just goes so hard. You you can't help but like sing along with the yeah, yeah, yeahs. Uh, I just think it's a really solid, tough kind of song that just really has a great backbone. And I love the, uh, I just love the vibe. I think it's a, it's a very strong and soulful track. And that's that's about all I got on it. I wish I had more to say. If you uh, get a chance, seek out the performance. Brittany Howard of Alabama Shakes did a cover of this song, and it's pretty good. Mm. Uh, so her cover okay. of you and, you and Your Folks is, is nice. All right. We're on to side two, track five, which is a little song called Super Stupid. Pitchfork called this one a tale of a dumbass junkie set to a tune Black Sabbath would have been proud of. That dumbass junkie might well be the person singing. The story goes that guitarist Eddie Hazel is the protagonist on this song. The person called both super stupid and maggot brain for buying heroin instead of cocaine. This track is a bit of an outlier with Eddie taking a clear lead vocal and writing credit shared between all Funkadelic members except drummer Tiki Fullwood. The Hendrix influence on this track is undeniable. Matt, I'm sure you had some thoughts on that. But uh, I don't think that's a bad thing, necessarily. It's still got the funkiness of a P-Funk track, but it's a little more rocking than usual. Um, I find this one entertaining and fun on a musical level and just heartbreaking on a lyrical level as Hazel, I'm guessing Hazel, beats himself up over drug use, which was becoming kind of a bigger problem in the band by this point. So... It's it's an interesting track. The music is just so driving and rocking, but the lyrics are pretty dark when you really get down to it. Uh, yeah, I noted that the Hendrix knob has been turned up to 11, <laughs> um, but I still really, really like it. Um, and that's quite a title, <laughs> like uh, Slightly Stupid Eat Your Heart Out, I guess. Oh, um, Slightly? What is, what is Slightly Stupid? Is that Sublime? What is that? It's a band, isn't it? Like a, uh, it's a band from Sublime's label oh, or something. Okay. It's some, it's some band in the vein of Sublime. <laughs> well, anyway. Welcome to S T O O P I D. Welcome yeah. to middle aged mid trying to hazily remember <laughs> something like right. What, what was, was that, that band? thing? Slightly stupid. Time. The folks know that they're listening to a podcast, Josh. That. <laughs> 
yeah. Jesus. Um, it's a riff for the ages. I love the riff. Um, really memorable. Love the organ. Um, what's Skag? Is that heroin? Is that the heroin? Yeah. Okay, Skag. Don't don't accidentally buy Skag, kids. Um, I think the chorus in this one is just do 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 <laughs> something like that. I think <laughs> I noted that. It's just it's real. It's it's the heaviest thing we've heard from them. Uh, yeah, the the Black Sabbath thing is is an apt comparison. Um, you know, we just hear, I like that we just hear a few lyrics and then we rock and we solo for, for a long time. Um, it blows the roof off the sucker. It just tears the neck off it. Uh, love the way the guitar goes back and forth with the organ. And I also love the way the song ends by fading out, but the guitar solo still remains. But Interesting. yeah, it's a top tier one. It's uh, super stupid how stupid super this song is. Uh, the rhythm <laughs> section is straight Whoa. murdering it. They're just murdering it. Uh, the guitar solo is wild, wild, wild. And and then the, the organ just pushes it over the top. I mean, we're talking riffs here that sound like they were super influential on like all different levels. I hear the Jimi Hendrix. I hear... Um, but I hear this being an influence on Tom Morello. These sounds like they could be rage riffs, uh, Frushanti. Um, I just, I, I think this album just keeps on giving it. I just like each time, like I think like, okay, the next song is, is probably going to suck. Uh, this one just, I, I'm all behind it. it and I, I hear that black Sabbath and I, I, I love that heaviness that they're bringing here. And I'm, I'm heartbroken by Eddie's lyrics, but I love his singing. I'm a fan of him singing uh, mm-hmm. tracks. Yeah. So yeah. it's a big thumbs up for me. I think this, it's just super, super, super. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, yes, definitely Hendrix influence. Um, I don't, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's an, an influence. We've talked about Sabbath. I made a note about Sabbath, but but I also hear some Zeppelin in this as well. Um, hmm. so, you know, uh, some of that really frantic um uh, playing, you know, I, I kind of reminds me of Jimmy Page some, and and that uh, going from the one to the seven, um, you know, that that's kind of you know what a whole lot of love does, and it, you know, it, lots and lots of you know pentatonic blues inspired music has that that kind of progression, but it's it, you know it works well here. It's you know everything is is very high energy. Um, the, the rhythm section's great. I love all the auxiliary percussion, you know, the bongos and, or, or congas, um, vibra slap, uh, th- there's more of that, that, that sweeping wah solo that, that, that I like so much. Yeah. I, I think this is, um, you know, I, I think this is one of the strongest tracks, uh, on the record. It, it, it knows what it is and, and, and it delivers. Kind of makes you wonder what like a Eddie Hazel led version of this band would be. Like I don't know how much dic- how much George Clinton dictated like you know direction and everything. This one just feels very Eddie Hazel, you know, centric compared to. He just wanted to rock. Yeah. All right, number six, back in our minds.
bouncy number was written solely by Parliament singer Fuzzy Haskins and is sung by Clinton and guitarist Tall Ross. Some of the sounds include a trombone, which I kind of struggled to hear. I couldn't hear a try, and a jaw harp. Yeah. I could hear the jaw harp. Very processed jaw harp there. Uh, Clinton says it was an imitation of English rock bands of the period, and I have to wonder what English rock bands he's thinking of. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, like, what is the band he's thinking about that sounds like this? Uh, I find it interesting that we follow one of the most kind of rock and driving serious rock songs on the album with this kind of jaunty and silly song, but ultimately it works. Uh, this it's, song's fun and makes me think of them all kind of bouncing down the road like circus clowns. Uh, I, I realized something super stupid is the bad part of drugs. This is the good part, <laughs> you know, like this is like the other side of the coin. It's like they, where drugs are fun. They flip flop the order. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Do you so think his, thoughts on background. This is this is his take of David Bowie or something? Um like maybe. stab at David Bowie. I, I re- oh, maybe. I really wonder who they're thinking of. Maybe well, I guess Frank Zappa's not British. I was gonna say they did that tour of the UK and they fought, fought, kind of played right after Frank Zappa at the one show, but he's not British, so that doesn't make sense. I have no idea. Yeah, David Bowie maybe. I, don't <laughs> I think Bowie's Bowie's not far off, yeah. yeah. I don't know. But anyway, I love this one. It's just a it's a fun kind of uh lighthearted one and, and the sounds are, are cool. Whoa. Is this the one that's gonna throw things off track here? Nope. I, I actually had a, just... okay, because I had a theory. I was like, I think Logan probably loves this song. <laughs> that was my theory. Am yeah, I wrong? Uh, no, you're not wrong. I uh this is okay. just weird weird and silly in all the best ways. We get some horns. I said trombone solo. Uh, the slide whistles and playful tone really add a sense of humor to the album. I like the motif of being back in your mind after you've presumably gone out of it. Mm. It's a, it's yeah. a jaunty tune that may be borderline too weird for some, uh, but I like the charm. Like they've gone somewhat mad, Alice in Wonderland mad, just like having an unbirthday party with the Hatter. I wouldn't eat anything on this table if I were you, unless you just insist. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, almost like a Sid uh, Sid Barrettty kind of like playfulness to it. I don't know. Mm. It's a I like the track. It's okay. Uh, um, <laughs> the- <laughs> I get kind of like, you remember in Roger Rabbit where, where they go to Toontown and he passes like one of those like old timey cartoons. This is what an old timey cartoon sounds like uh, to me. Um, the, the, the bell um, kind of, kind of graded on me a little bit. Um, I do think it's an interesting kind of lyrical construct, you know, back in your minds, you know, does in your mind mean that, 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 you know, maybe, maybe you're, uh, you know, I, I like your maybe this is the good part of drugs uh, th- theory, uh, Josh. Um, but th- this one, you know, I, I don't know. It, it feels like with kind of the the level of not not somberness, but um, more seriousness than maybe we've seen on, on the previous records. You know, th- this one feels a, li- a little bit out of place uh, for, for me. Matt coming with the Roger Rabbit hot take. I've never heard somebody side with Judge Doom in the movie. They're like, Judge Doom gets an unfair shake, you know? Those tunes were real annoying. (laughs) 
They weren't serious. They Listen here, tunes. I've had enough of you, tunes. <laughs> Ruining my town. Ruining our podcast with your stupid-looking faces. I wanna, I wanna go to Toontown and and be back in my mind with a, a a cold frosty root beer. Singing sunflowers, that's what they are. I've been, <laughs> I've been sitting here thinking like, what oh. is the, what is this image that I'm trying to remember? Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the the sunflowers with faces. That's that's what this song sounds like to me. Okay. All right. I was, I was getting street performers yeah. out um, in New Orleans or something vibes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so bouncy. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad they're having fun on their drugs, you know. But uh, back back in our minds, this triangle about to make me lose my mind. Okay, um, the triangle did not have to be the loudest thing in the whole mix. It is buck wild, and it never it never stops. And I want to know what they're doing to the pitch to bend the pitch around on that triangle. It sounds like they're hitting a triangle. It could be the jaw just, harp. The pitch is warble. I it doesn't sound like a jaw harp. So, it sounds like I don't know. I I have no clue. But I want to sit them down and be like, "Tell me, we're not leaving here until you tell me what you did to that triangle." Uh, as and, as someone who's just had to read a bunch of books on Funkadelic, I will tell you they probably don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Okay, been barking get, up that you. tree before. Yeah, but I mean, were were we out of our minds for the the album so far, and now we're just coming back into our minds? Is that kind of the the narrative, but I was I was grateful that it was over in less than three minutes. Um, I think it it actually could have been a good song. Remove the triangle and the weird warbly vocals because the bass, drum, piano, and the horns at the end provide a good foundation there. I um, oh go ahead. Oh, I was I I, I think I think you you're on to something there, Blake. I I think that would that would quell a lot of yeah. my qualms as well. It's just the weird weirdness on top that's really high in the mix that that's bumming me out. It reminds me of when the clash, I talked about this in the pregame it reminds me of when the clash were just fucking around with the dub genre on Sandinista, which were not their best moments. Um, I'll say that. So on an, on an album of great songs, uh, uh, an album that's been really great. This, this may be the, the weakest for me. You, you did make me think of something, Blake. I, I wonder how much of this is meant to be parody. You know, if they're trying to imitate English rock bands, I wonder if they were just like, this is what English rock bands sound like. And they like tried to make like a parody <laughs> song, you know? Maybe, this is you, Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, maybe we're completely misreading the intentions here. I don't know. Maybe, but it's hard. It's, it it's is hard a, it is a moment of levity, though, as Logan said. Kind of a sandwich yeah, sh- between super schlock. stupid and... And the next one, which is yeah. is not it that. Is. Uh, so the final track, track seven, is Wars of Armageddon. Finally, the drummer gets some. 
Tiki Fullwood is the star here. He gets a writing credit on this nearly 10-minute jazz rock freakout along with Ross Clinton and Worrell, sometimes called the Revolution Number no. 9 of Funkadelic. Clinton says that when Miles Davis heard the drumming on this track, he came and poached Tiki for his band, which is true. Tiki did leave Funkadelic around this time to briefly play with Miles Davis. Uh, What is this song about? Who knows? As the title suggests, it might be about the sounds of Armageddon with various shouting as well as people getting into arguments. But then around seven minutes in, we get this. Can you play that sound? Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. Do I have to? Blake. (laughs) I know what's going to happen. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) The scatological funkadelic continues. You know, uh, regardless, I find this an appropriate end to the record, uh, especially considering the kind of the the tone of the record. And this one has some real kind of dark and foreboding imagery, but also some lighthearted goofiness, a real uh, good summary of this album overall, you know, a little bit of both. I also have to say, uh, I enjoy that they it, it is a jazz rock kind of thing there's an actual effort to really make a song here whereas i I think i kind of criticized the last album uh ending with eulogy and light where it felt a little um half-baked because it was just sort of backwards stuff with talking this one it feels like they're trying to make another kind of ending statement but it has a, a musicality to it that i i definitely really uh like I think um, this is a really uh, a really solid track. Um, fart noises aside, um, I, <laughs> I think it's interesting that they uh, you know uh, they kind of do a bookend thing again. Um, th- th- this feels you know kind of like a, a counterpoint to, uh, to to Maggot Brain. Um, Eddie Hazel is is on point all over the place. Uh, the very beginning. Um, and and I've, I I thought this uh, a little bit about um, can you get to that as well? It's it's almost like a like a very typical classic rock song, and and it's interesting, uh, Josh, that you said that they were you know maybe parody parodying um, some English rock bands because uh, because I, uh, I I thought um, can you get to that could you know could have been a, a like a faces. Uh, song hmm. and, and and not even so much from from a musical standpoint but just from a sonic standpoint um you know the the organ part sounds like uh, like it could be deep purple um there's a lot going on here um you know very chaotic you know which I think is appropriate for uh for a track titled wars of Armageddon um right at around um this is the the overall uh, album track length uh 3318 uh there's there's a, a straight eighth uh, on snare that that's just really really solid um and, and that 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 kind of slap back um drum and and bass effect is, is back which i think is interesting and then i i really appreciated they they, they kind of had it both ways they they did the the bomb effect at the end and you know kind of you know, made that statement and then, and then brought, brought the main riff back, you know? So I, I thought yeah. kind of that, 
that little um, you know thumbing of the nose uh, at the ending of of their own album, you know, it was was fitting for for, uh, uh, for this band and and for this record. Lots of cowbell. Cowbell is all over the place here. <laughs> yeah, um, the cowbell is definitely going to let you know where the downbeat is. I don't think it stops for the. I was imagining how tired would you be one to be the drummer. Uh, non these aren't loops, you know, nonstop uh, that beat for 10 minutes. How, how tired would your arm be doing the cowbell as well? I don't believe it stops for the, the nine minutes. Um, but Josh was talking earlier about, or he was asking, are they, are they taking it seriously? I, at this point I, I'm saying no, at least on this track. <laughs> Cause of the fart. Cause it's pretty, yeah. They're, I mean, we're hearing bombs go off. We're also hearing, Another kind of bomb go off, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I am farting on a snare drum. They said. <laughs> I was gonna bring back. You remember in last episode mentioned that they talked about they ate a bunch of steak and dropped acid during Free Your Mind and apparently just uh. <laughs> shit up the place. So, uh, yeah. I mean, and they're talking about maggots and shit and all that, all that stuff. We're coming out of the the manure. Um, weird, weird imagery. Uh, we haven't even gotten into the weird chanting of power to the pussy to the Peter to the eater. What? I don't know what, I I think a lot of this was obviously just improvised sounds and chants and I call it kind of a kitchen sink type approach. Just throw everything in, you know, it, it reminded me a lot of stuff on the wall. We were just hearing people, <laughs> unpleasant sounding people yelling at each other and sound effects interspersed. Uh, I thought it was cool how as the cowbell keeps going, we get more like spring reverb on it. So the cowbell intensifies and gets weirder. So it doesn't just stay the same. Um, in Funkadelic fashion, the, the album's book ended by these two 10 minute instrumentals. And it, I, it's interesting that it starts super mournful with Maggot Brain and then ends completely unhinged. I do, like Josh was saying, I like that this has the more coherent through line of the of the beat from start to finish, which is what a lot of their long experiments did not have previously. Um, so I, you know, musically, I, I do really enjoy it. Obviously, the beat's awesome. Not everything that they... Not every sound that they toss in there is is a winner, okay? <laughs> then they do toss everything, including possibly a man imitating a monkey and a screeching pterodactyl. That's all I got. <laughs> well, the percussion and the rhythm are on point here during what sounds to be a run-in with a wild dog pack or perhaps an <laughs> elephant. <laughs> then into a civil rights protest... We're getting mid-tier guitar wankery here, which may or may not be everyone's thing. Maybe we get clips of an airport terminal or a church service, a TV broadcast, a cuckoo clock. Is that Joey Ramone? But here, here's you're talking about cowbells. How many songs do you get cowbells with cows in it? There's cows oh, in the song. Cows and cowbell. Like... You know, it's just, it, it's crazy. To the average stoner, you know, who knows what all these sounds are? I'm sure it sounds like music, nature, and technology all folding in on itself and melting the space-time continuum. 
Uh, but uh, hold on tight for your life, for this one just might snag you and take you to the nether realm. This song may conjure and attract the spirit world. Be careful and keep your sanity. We are in some peak psychedelia here. Did we just experience a musical birth? Farting? Is it a new dawn? What a crazy and bizarre ending. This track isn't for everyone, but you may just find yourself getting sucked in. Take heed of the song's title. I dub this track funk floyd if you like wild <laughs> floyd volta and wilder santana stuff this is for you yeah um by the way this should have been this song should have been in that uh larry norman movie that i uh, wish we'd all been ready <laughs> about the uh rapture yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know they needed they needed a, a nine totally minute made uh funkadelic context. part with them you know uh, They're yeah. the band rocking I, I out on Earth after everyone's raptured. I don't raptured. think the producers of A Thief in the Night were down so much <laughs> with African-American music is, is <laughs> the only thing I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you say that they had a donkey? They rented a donkey in England to protest not being allowed to play the Royal Albert Hall. Or okay, because like <laughs> I, I I was kind of thinking I was getting uh, donkey visuals uh, back to the song uh, "Back in Our Minds," mm-hmm. where he's like, "We are back <laughs> in our minds." Yeah, it's very like we are. <laughs> it was very donkey like uh, Man- yeah. manger babies vibes. <laughs> manger babies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they did have the pig, so I don't know. Yeah, the pig's got to be on here somewhere. Oh, we should go to final thoughts. Yeah, let's go to our final thoughts. Okay. As this is the last album made by Funkadelic version 1.0, I find it a, a fitting conclusion. By this point, the band, I feel like, was really at their peak. Some of the best music this iteration of Funkadelic wrote and played is on this album, I can see why it wasn't an immediate success as there's not really like a a super clear like, oh, that's the hit single. And the overarching mood is one of of darkness and death of the 60s good time spirit. This record is like a, a funeral for this version of George Clinton's vision. And it makes sense that they would see more success in the seventies with the sort of Bootsy Collins infused group. But still, I I think it's a great band and I find this to be their kind of finest statement. I I don't think it's necessarily a perfect album with some moments getting a little repetitive and losing focus, but I think that happens rarely. Um, I think for the most part, it's very consistent and you can put it on, play it all the way through and enjoy um, most of it. And and so I'm going to go with a 90% or 4.5 out of 5 pigs named Officer Dibbles. Nice. Nice. Um, By the way, hey, uh, before you get into that, can I tell you guys something real quick? I yes. looked at ratings mm-hmm. earlier and I just... Do you guys want to know the other times you've given a hundred percents? I was I was interested to know who has given a hundred percent the most. Is uh, probably I me. I think I gave I don't, in utero. Five. I think there's a tie. Um, here, uh, Matt, you can go ahead, and I'll tell you guys in a second at the end. Uh, okay. In conclusion, Maggot Brain is an album of contrasts. Um, as, as they say, uh, yeah, I, I think this is, um, I think this is an ambitious record. I think that for the most part, that ambition works out. 
Um, and and when it doesn't, even when um, you know when when there's there's something that maybe I personally don't care for, I think that there's still something uh, to to gain from from listening to it. Um, it's an album that that deals with themes of, of drugs and and death, but also it has fart noises. Um, you know, uh, there, there, there's, you know, more terrestrial concerns, you know, about, um, you know, uh, economic relations and, and whether or not you can get with that. Um, I, I think it's a little bit front loaded, um, or, or perhaps more accurately that I, I think it's weaker in the back half. Um, the musicianship is definitely, you know, out front on point, you know, they're, they're they haven't sounded as good and, and as tight on anything that we've heard up to now. Eddie Hazel puts on just a clinic in blues and funk and metal, um, you know, and they move from, you know, genre to genre uh, and, and sometimes more successfully than, than others. But, um, but, but I, I do think this is a, this is a solid, um, you know, kind of ca- encapsulation and, and, and statement of what this era of, you know, Funkadelic and, and, and Parliament uh, was all about. I may, ch- I reserve the right to change my rating based on additional listens, um, but I I gave this, um, I'm, I'm going to give it four full fuzz pedals. All right. Nice. So my thoughts are, it's my favorite of the three thus far. And... So in the year, the year just following the year that contained their first two psychedelic experiment albums, um, it was really surprising to hear this album be so much more coherent. Um, some of it, like, can you get to that? Sounds, sounds like Funkadelic minus the LSD, but I'm guessing LSD was still involved. It's just less improvisational sounding um, in a way that I like. It is still clearly a collective of weirdos getting in a room together to make some funky noise, but I think this time they had more of an idea of what they were going to do before they got in that room together. Except on tracks maybe like Wars of Armageddon, where it sounds like improvised sounds (laughs) uh, to varying levels of success were added. But, But overall, I really do like it. So far, I'd gladly put this one on again, most of the tracks at least, just to sort of rock out. And um, I'd put on the opening track just to vibe out and to be contemplative and possibly mournful and or to get into an altered state. So I ended up giving it four mind maggots out of five. All right. So overall, this album, in my opinion, may be a masterpiece. I I feel like there was a major shift in quality here uh, in comparison to the other albums. And I don't really want to, you know, just compare it to the other albums, but the musicianship here is fire. The songs mostly are very well-crafted. This album just gives so much. When you think they've outdone themselves, they just keep surprises coming and i think that makes the album interesting we get variety here 
we we get all kinds of different you know i think that's the great thing about funkadelic is that how many people are are involved in recording and in performing i think it's just a it's a cool collective uh compared to what i've heard so far this is hands down my favorite of theirs that we've heard uh the album cover is pretty iconic at this point which we haven't really talked about that but uh it's it's a striking album cover and sometimes i've i've seen reactions good and bad and uh so check it out for yourself but it 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 seems to be the one more commonly seen in collector circles being hailed the most but listen for yourself and form your own opinion no matter of what we think or what others think for me I think it's great. I, you know, I get the fart sounds can be off-putting, but at the same time, there's a very human, that's a natural bodily function. It's a very human (laughs) thing. And it's also kind of a humorous, you know, base level, low-hanging fruit kind of deal that I don't know if, if, if people would even be listening at that track (laughs) at that point. I don't know. Or if they would pick it out. Is it easy? Is it very... Does it stick out big time, do you think, Josh, or anybody else? I think so. Okay. I mean, it is, I, it is I pretty high it. in the mix. I mean, my, okay. my note is 3305. Did someone rip ass? <laughs> 3305. Okay. You know, yeah, I, I get that. But um, honestly, I like the seven out of the seven tracks. So it does get, I don't know why you brought that up, Josh, with the 100% thing. But uh, I do give it 100%, so I give it 5 out of 5 super stupid stars. Okay, I, I brought it up because I was thinking about this might be one that people would give 100%, and I, I toyed with the idea, so it made me go look at it, and I thought, just to be fair, I would tell you guys yours, since I'm, I'm like the gatekeeper mm. here of this, um, yeah. <laughs> keeping the knowledge to myself. So I just thought it was interesting. Um, season 1, Logan, you gave two 100%. To in utero and relationship of command, and then season Sounds two, right. Logan, you have given well, including this one now, three hundred percent's, Craftwork Autobahn, Craftwork One, and then this album. So you've given a total cool. of four. Is that right so far, uh, Blake? You were like the most generous in the first season. You've get you gave three hundreds. To uh, oh. never mind in utero and I get wet, and then you have okay. yet to give it a hundred this season. <laughs> Sounds about all. right. Yeah, uh, which is interesting because we did Fiona Apple. I would have assumed. Uh... And then uh, for me, I gave two hundreds in the first season to Unplugged and Never Mind, and then I only gave one this season to Craftwork Audubon, and then Matt. You hasn't gave, given any. <laughs> you gave two the first season to Unplugged and Nevermind oh. as well. And then this season, I don't think you've given any. Yeah, you and Blake have both not given any 100 this season. Not <laughs> to stingy. pressure anybody. I just was I, I was finding it interesting as to who's who's the stingiest and all that stuff. Um, by the way, you mentioned, Matt, having to revise your, your thoughts. Remember Endgame, at the end of the season, there is a category about what do you want, you know, what do you think you would change going back and thinking about the albums we covered again. So keep, we'll keep that in your it. pocket. Keep it in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. All right. Superlatives. Ooh, this is tough. There's a few contenders, but I'm going to go with uh, Super Stupid. 
I think it's the rockin' one, you know? It's it's the one yeah. that slaps the hardest. Super Stupid is indeed the banger. It just slaps so hard. Oh, I feel stupid. <laughs> I, I you have, maggot I have brain. I have rationalization. I said banger, can you get to that? Because That's it's, it it's early it in the album, single, single material. It just, it's the catchiest bop. Mm. But all will be revealed. Hey, Blake. <laughs> I'll back you up in that banger. Oh, and can, get to that. Because I can get to that. And I meant yeah. it when I said it. That is a, and it's a hard track to pick. And I have reasons for why why I picked everything. But uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Can you get to that? There we go. Don't sleep on it. Well, so I put my don't sleep on it is can you get to that? Because <laughs> it's, it's one of my faves on the album. And uh, if you're going to listen to two songs, you know, you listen to Super Stupid, you listen to that one. So... I'm going, can you get to that? Don't sleep on you and your folks and me and my folks. Uh, I, I just really, uh, I really like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it sticks with me. That's a good one. Super stupid. Mm, flip-flopping between yep. me and you. Uh, yep. Blake, I had trouble with this one because, you know, I, I feel like, I'm not really sure what the temperature on maggot brain is nowadays. Like, I feel like I could easily see people skipping it yeah, it's, or it's, something or sleeping yeah. on it. And like, I kind of wanted to say like, you know, don't, don't sleep on maggot brain just mm-hmm. in case case. But I, I said yeah. Blake, uh, super stupid because I feel like this could also fly under the radar, but it is the most rocking. So I see why you'd yep. pick it as a, as a banger. Um, but I would yeah. sure hope people don't sleep on it. For sure. Ooh, now it's going to get contentious. Man, this Oof. was hard. <laughs> I, 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 was, I changed this so many times because I feel like every track has positives to it. Uh, and the negatives yeah. are, are sort of scattered here and there, but not many. So kind of did process of elimination. And the last track standing for me was Hit It and Quit It. Hmm. Yeah. You would skip hit it and quit it? Yeah, I had to I, I mean that I you'd, think if you asked it. me tomorrow I'd probably change my mind. I I sure. I I went back and forth on this. Hit it and quit it was my fucking banger at one point. <laughs> like it, it dropped <laughs> all the way to back. Well, because at one point it was a banger, but then after hearing it enough I was like I'm getting kind of tired of this and I was like well, I guess if I'm getting tired of it I'll I, I I'll skip it, it you know, it. if if it's but you you think back in our minds is better? Than, I, okay. you know, I like back in our minds because I just find oh, it so no. fun and goofy. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm tracks. not going to relitigate. I'm sorry. All right, all right. I'm skipping hit and quit it. I'm hitting it and quitting it. I, I will also not relitigate, other than to say I would skip back in our minds. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. this I might do, be a uh, division. Out. <laughs> uh, no litigation. I said skip back in our minds. Sorry. <laughs> we are back. You know. <laughs> Uh, Matt would rather have fart noises in his album. <laughs> I wondered if anyone was going to choose Wars of then Armageddon. Then I skip Wars of Armageddon. I wouldn't skip any of them. I think I know. everything should be listened to. It's 100%. To, you know, Because I gave it's 100%. You know, we may have to, but maybe we should change the rules in some way that if you give 100%, you don't have to choose a skip. Also, <laughs> like, when there's only when there's only seven tracks or few tracks, I, it's I feel like, harder. though, if you put 100% on it, it's hard to say you're going to skip anything, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, I'm just surprised that fart noises won out over <laughs> everybody except me. And I'm the one who was yeah, championing. Be- Championing the <laughs> fart noises, and I, I skipped it. 
Yeah. I, I everyone I else just, the drumming nope. man it has a lot going on awesome. it has a lot going on ah. it's, it's, a, it's a good freak out i just want there to be a note in the the book scorekeeping <laughs> book that josh has like a highlighted like logan rejected the fox noises <laughs> even yeah, though he championed sure. them okay the notes i, I keep okay so this is an interesting case because uh, unbeknownst to the listeners, we got together recently and we're uh, messing around mm. playing music and we played a little bit of Maggot Brain. So we kind of, in a way, already covered Maggot yeah. Brain. Uh, mm. Albeit a very improvisation, but maybe that's the the spirit. Um, I, I, would, I, right. I suggested Brittany Howard earlier. Another thing to look up just as a thing to behold is there's a uh, clip on youtube of flea covering maggot brain and i use the term covering very loosely here it's Ugh. i'll send it to you guys it's literally flea just messing around on a base for a while. i don't know why it says maggot brain but anyway <laughs> uh i guess if you think of it like that we could totally do maggot brain uh justice for sure i also thought or super stupid just because of how rocket is but that would require one of us to sing about skag and i <laughs> <laughs> don't know about that. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> be a little weird. But the, man, I would love to just musically it'd be cool. So I'm gonna go with Magabrain. I, I think uh, I, I really like doing, you know, kind of major key songs and I think those make for fun covers that, that are, are open to good interpretation. I I'd I'd love to try uh Can You Get to That? I wanna know <laughs> if we <laughs> can get know. to that. I would gladly mess around with Maggot Brain again. But uh, I ended up saying super stupid because it just rocks, folks, and it would be fun. Wow. Uh, I, I was hoping that we were all going to pull together on this one, uh, <laughs> but never. We, we never do. Um, yeah, I said maggot brain uh, because it makes the most sense to me. Uh, yeah. Matt and I can trade off of leads. Mm -hmm. Blake can talk about you know knocking up planets and like <laughs> Ooh, move yeah. on. He always is doing that. Maggot and Josh can play the the sad lick over the, and the over again. The four chord pattern, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's no real vocals, and so we don't have to sound silly yep. as you know we are. And it, and it it's it lends itself to the most fun. We we did cover it, but I didn't play anything by accuracy. I was just playing, I guess, my own version That's, of like man, what a cried solo out. would be. Crying out yeah. right then and there, yeah. so I'd, I'd go with that. I think that works, though. That's fair. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, it's a, it's a it's a good one. I, I I think it'd be good. All right. Well, that that puts a uh, a pin on the first kind of in a, incarnation of Funkadelic, and next week we'll be doing a pregame with a special topic, and then the week after will be my palate cleanser pick for 2022. Uh, so if you just tune in next week, you'll find out what that is. And uh, until then, I guess, don't forget to listen to music and uh, go on, Maggot Brain. Give us a review or, or, or yeah, so. Yeah, do that if, too. And send us to a friend or or anything please share <laughs> yes. us with other people like and subscribe and don't drown in your own shit <laughs> thanks everybody
Audio.